Welcome back. Right now, it is just me in the studio. I don't know. Lyle's ducked off for for a red hot minute, and um, we'll, we'll time him to see how long he takes to to get back. Anyway, I'll uh, I'll move on with the show for the time being. Um, so we've got the next clue to the quiz. Uh, this, of course, is a Who Am I? Simon Peter cut off my ear with his sword. So whose ear did Simon uh, did Peter cut off? If you know the answer to this, give us a call at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can send us a text at 0491-064-669. And if you're the first person with the correct answer this morning, we'll be sending you a copy of Cosmic Conflict. It's a DVD by Doug Batchelor. Uh, so, yeah, wonderful piece of work there. A couple of announcements before we get into Encounter with God. Uh, we have a new podcast. or oh, It's not a new podcast. It's an adjusted podcast. So if you w- have missed anything throughout the show, if there's anything you want to catch up on, then head over to our app. <clears throat> Pardon me. That, don't, ooh, that was a bit odd. Head over to our app. And um, if you just go to our breakfast, the breakfast show on the app, then you will get a shortened version of the show. It's essentially the same thing, just without songs and without the quizzes. It's, it's really the uh, just just the important bits. However, if you have missed anything and you would like to go back and listen to the whole program, then if you head over to your, uh, for example, your your podcast app on whatever platform you've got. For example, if, you, if you've got an Apple or an iOS uh, device, then go to the podcast app on there and type in Faith FM and go to the breakfast show. You'll be able to get the full hour show, the full two hour show rather. Um, so yeah, uh, we've got a new app a new podcast which we've been putting together in behind the scenes to make things a little bit easier for our listeners at home. Uh, what else have we got? We've got our the the end series is continuing continuing on. Uh, the end series is the, at the end digital. You can choose to go to the website or YouTube or you can go to Facebook. He's back. Lyle's back. Well done. <laughs> or you can go to Facebook for that. Um, as well as that, uh, how has the end been going for you, Lyle? Has it been going well? Amazing <laughs> as Lyle slides into the share. Okay, the end is just um, – we're having so much fun on the end. Uh, we, we're presenting some fairly heavy subjects, and particularly this evening, we we launch into one of the heaviest subjects that are going to come up. We're talking about the Antichrist, Ooh. and yes, we will be naming names, so you will have to tune in for that one. Um, and of course, that starts at eight pm tonight. The End Digital is the place to go. Beautiful. And this Saturday morning, we have got the. Small group interactive Bible study happening right here. So that's with Matt Parra and myself. Uh, Do plan to be here. Do plan to make your phone call, join in and be a part of the show. We will be looking forward to your company. So that's all happening. But right now we have 20 million movement Bible study coming up. And I'm all out of breath from having run down the hallway. Uh, But let's go to where are we up to? We're in Genesis still. We are still in Genesis. And we're continuing to look a little bit at creation. Um, But this is a little bit... This is So yesterday we were focusing on the first verse in the beginning. Now we've got the rest of the days. Okay. The rest of the days and, and going through. One of the things that often is, you know, opposed with the days of creation is evolution. That's right. That is the biggest sort of the, the one of the two the biggest. The Earth is however many billion years old. 
as opposed to it was created. 6,000 years old. Yeah. And created in six days. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and in the one thing that we look at here is actually no, we'll get into that. Li- I've got I've got a bunch of thoughts. In just my give head. us just give us the first three. The, the uh, start in verse two, two through five. Let's let's go two through five. Okay. And Genesis. Uh, while you're working on two through five, then um, start sorting your thoughts out and figure out which one's coming first, and then share that one with us. Okay, I will do. So Genesis chapter one, verse two to five. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from darkness. God called that light day and the darkness night. The evening passed and the morning came, marking the first day. Okay, so as we come to the end of these passages, the Bible is talking about what delineates a day, a period of darkness followed by a period of lightness, and the Bible says that that was the first day. Uh, Liam, thoughts? Thoughts. So I think that that a day, this is is sort of where the basis of our day comes from. That's right. And, and, you know, in modern times it has been adjusted slightly to... to, So in this time... Day began when the when the sun went down, sunset to sunset, sunset to sunset. Whereas modern times, it's sort of the middle of the night to the middle of the night. Yeah, whatever. But either um, which way, the, the great thing is about going sunset to sunset. Doesn't matter where you are on the planet; it's always going to be a twenty four hour day. Exactly. the The length of the day will never change. No. So it's it's quite not. What about okay? A little bit of a side thought. What about in Antarctica? Ah, good question. Where the Glad sun, you asked that one. Where the sun is either up the sun for... never goes down. It's either never up or never down. Yeah. So how do you keep the Sabbath in Antarctica? That's a good question. I don't know. Okay. So here's how it works. When you are in Antarctica or the Arctic, what you're going to find is that as you approach that time of year when the sun is going to stay up or the sun is going to stay down, you know, in the, in the crossover seasons, you have days, which is just like anywhere else. Uh, where the sun goes up, the sun comes down, then as the days lengthen out, what you'll find is that you'll reach a point where the sun will dip briefly below the horizon and then come back up again. Okay, And that is how you mark the starting and ending of your 24-hour period as far as you know Sabbath-keeping goes. The position of the sun in the yes. sky. And then what you'll find is that the sun will dip down towards the horizon and you calculate it from the lowest point. So even though it doesn't go below the horizon, you just calculate it from the lowest point. Uh, And then what you'll find is that you just mark where the lowest point was and you mark that as the time from which you keep uh, your Sabbath if you are living in those parts of the world. Here's the important thing. When God gave the Sabbath commandment, God gave it for humanity. He did not give it for the odd exception. No. And the people who live far enough south in Antarctica or far enough north in the Arctic to actually have to deal with this problem is about 20 people. Yeah. And that's only been for the last 100 years. Exactly. So this is, this is a, a pretty out there exception, but you know God expects us to use our common sense in these matters and to be able to worship him where, wherever we find ourselves. And there is no impediment here to keeping the Ten Commandments. Exactly. So coming back to, to this verse, though, this is sort of the, the, where the first idea of the day comes from. Yes. And it's got the day and the night, and that is a day. And then following this in this verse, following this passage, 
there are five more of these. Sorry, six more of these. Five more where things happen, and then one at the end where nothing happens. Well, well, rest happens. That's right. So, this one thing that that often gets uh, tossed around is is that evolution is evolution. Oh, there's so many thoughts. Okay, I, I need. I need Just pick one. Just pick one. Just pick one. Okay, so evolution is something that is is said to have happened over a number of years. And a number of billion years. A number of billion yeah. years. That's, well, right. that's still a number of years. That is. That is. <laughs> um, and it's said to have, have begun with with sort of one snap of a finger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know evolution very well, but if from what I've studied, according to evolution, that snap is essentially still happening. It's the Big Bang. It's the Big Bang. Yeah. And the Big Bang was one thing small, and it's continuing to. So basically, you've got you've got two options here. You've got a Big Bang, which happens uh, with you know with the snap of a fingers that took place billions of years ago, and everything came from nothing, or you've got a Big Bang that took place six thousand years ago, and everything came from something. Yes. Do we have any scientific basis for something coming from nothing? Has that ever been observed, tested? Repeated, you know, the scientific method. No. No, there's no basis for that at all. Do we have scientific basis of something coming from something? Absolutely. All the time. So the, the scientific principle of something coming from nothing is not established in science. It's not a scientific principle. It's not established in any kind of science. The principle of something coming from something, however, is a well-established principle. Uh, it comes from the law of cause and effect, and that is, um, you know, what we can see taking place around us all the time. And so we don't, you know, it's, it's kind of very, very unscientific to believe that everything came from a Big Bang. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So, you know, the whole belief, it takes a lot of faith to believe that everything, in, in fact, you need to want to believe it. Exactly. To actually be able to swallow it. Yeah. You've got to have a desire to believe it or you've got to have, you know, very strong preconceived ideas towards it. Major presuppositions. The reality is today that most people have grown up, you know, in the last 50, 60 years with very, very strong presuppositions towards the science or the so-called science, it's really pseudoscience, around evolution. And because of those presuppositions, they've never actually stopped to think about or to investigate the alternatives to evolution. They're just like, well, we just assume that this is the way it is. It's an established fact, blah, 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 blah. Whereas not established fact, and any true scientist will tell you that the process of evolution is not an established fact by any stretch of the imagination. This is historical science that we're dealing with. It's not empirical science. Empirical science is science that is... um, that is, is testable, repeat, observable, testable, and repeatable. That's empirical science. And no one is ever going to argue with that. You know, no Christian has any argument with empirical science. What we do have argument over is historical science because historical science is merely interpretation. And it just comes down to one person interpreting the evidence one way, another interpreting it another way, and... It's kind of like, well, you know, which one requires the most faith? Well, I've got to tell you that believing something came from something requires less faith than believing that something came from nothing. Exactly. 
Okay, so there's one of one of the million thoughts in your head dealt with. Uh, two of them dealt with. Exactly. Yeah. The Sabbath in Antarctica and uh, the, something coming from nothing. Something coming from nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but let me just uh, we'll focus on on the word day. It comes yes. from the Hebrew word of yom. Yom. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Yom. Yom. Like yum yum, but yum yum. But with an O. With an O, not a U. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word. That's right. Um, and if uh, we'll, I'll read the second verses that we've got here as well. It's Exodus chapter uh, 20, verse 8. Ah, yes, I'm glad you're going here because this one makes it super specific. It does. If we didn't have Exodus 20 then you could possibly try and infer that, well, you know, maybe we want to use the word yom here in Genesis. You know, maybe, maybe the days were different from what we understand the days to be. But Exodus here enshrined within the law of God, within the only part of the Bible that was actually physically written by God himself, the eternal constitution of the government of heaven, you find the statement that Liam is about to read to us. Here we go. Uh, remember to observe. To remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Okay, so is there anything within the context of Genesis chapter 1 or Exodus chapter 20 that indicates that the word day means anything other than a 24-hour period? No. There's not? No. Okay, so there's no evidence whatsoever within these passages to indicate that we should not just read it as it is spoken right here. Then why is it that people then try and state that this is something that took place over millions of years? Yeah, what, I, what, not, this is one of my other thoughts that crossed in my head, one of the thousands of thoughts. One thing that I noticed in other religions is that other religions that do uh, believe in, in evolution is that they take the Genesis account as more of a, it's an idea, a, a, a story. A, it a, varies. Yeah, it varies. Yeah, some of it take it as being purely allegorical, yeah. just a story teaching moral lessons. Yes. Others say, yes, this is talking about the origin of our world, and so our world evolved over six different stages or eons. Or you know, and and that can be you know this give give you the same length as an evolutionary model, and or seven different stages even, and so the six days of creation is allegorical for seven stages of evolution, but both of these models fall down drastically. Uh, none of them are going to work other than the literal six day creation. Exactly. So, if they to if they were to look at that. The, the creation story as not literal, then what we see here in Exodus, you would have to also take as not literal. That's right. And so if you're going to take that part of the Ten Commandments as not being literal, then what do you do with thou shalt not kill? Well, that can't be literal either. Well, no, that, it's just um, a, more of a guideline. We suggest you don't do it, but, you know, if you do, she'll be right. 
Well, you know, and it could be entirely allegorical anyway. It's like, well, let's find a deeper meaning behind what God is saying here. Thou shalt not kill. I wonder what that can mean. Uh, well, actually, you know what? It means don't go around killing people. It's rather simple. <laughs> exactly. So it's very, very, very simple equation. You know, uh, we are, as human beings, can never go playing God and closing off somebody else's opportunity for salvation. Exactly, yeah. Because that's what happens when you take another person's life and it does not matter in what context you do that. When you take another person's life, that other person no longer has the opportunity for salvation and that is not a decision that human beings are qualified to make. Yeah. Only God can make that decision. Our job as human beings is to preserve life, preserve everybody's life as much as possible because uh, then we enable or create opportunity for that person to give their life to Jesus Christ, whether or whether they have or whether they haven't. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, coming back to the Genesis, the, the passage in Genesis, though, the word that they use in Genesis, I've got a bunch of thoughts that are going all over the place, and I'm, I might toss between the two a little bit, mm-hmm. but it'll all sort itself out eventually. So coming back to the passage in Genesis, it talks about, uh, I, I think it's pretty amazing how God himself comes up with this term for this 24-hour period. He, it's not something that Adam creates. God creates That's this. That's a very good point. God creates this. And I think what's also interesting to note is that on the first day, he says it is a day and not days. On the first you know, period of day, it doesn't say first period of days. Yeah, he said the singular, first isn't it? singular day. This is what he did. Mm-hmm. On the second day, this is what he did. On the third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, this is what he did. On the seventh day, this is what he did. On this week-long period of time, these are the things he did. This is how it happened. It didn't happen outside of that. Okay, now here's something that's interesting because for the first four days, there's no sun or moon. No. So during that time period, you could, you could kind of wonder, well, you know, were the days longer than what they are now? Except that he then goes ahead and creates the sun and the moon and the length of the day doesn't change. It's just in another day. It has, still has a dark part period. It still has a light period. And it is still one day. And God doesn't come along and say, okay, now that we've created the sun and the moon, we're going to create a new unit of time and call it, you know, whatever he calls it. And it's going to be 24 hours long. No, the 24-hour day already exists previous to this. And when God creates the sun and the moon, he actually creates the sun and the moon in a way that our world fits into the already established principle of a 24-hour day. Indeed. And... um yeah. So what what for the first four days, what do you think was providing the light? Yeah, good question. Um and that's a question to ask Barand, because when Barand comes on and does his section once a month on the book of Genesis, he has some really, really excellent uh, material on that. But believe- what you find is if you go to the book of Revelation, uh, in fact, let me flick over to Revelation real quick and I'll show you a passage over here. End of Revelation. Um, thinking chapter 22. We've got uh, Baron coming on later in the week, so we might save that question for Ooh, him then. Oh, yeah, maybe we so, will. Maybe uh, we will. I think this, this, this section of, of uh, Bible study is very... We, we may even get uh, him to have a little bit more input. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to toss a verse in here for consideration okay. before Baron comes on. Genesis 22 and verse 5. There shall be no light, no night. I was going to say no Revelation, light. not Genesis. I said Revelation 22, verse 5. There shall be no night there, 
And they need no candle, neither the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. That's the new Jerusalem here on earth uh, at the end of the thousand years. So did God sort of turn him, turn his light beaming off and on for those first, first four days? And then say, listen, this isn't going to work forever. I need a son. Well, you will have to ask him one day. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. During the break, Liam had an interesting question. Liam, let's discuss that question for a moment, shall we? We shall indeed. So my question was, what is the... I've I've heard plenty of uh, I'll just what is the difference between evolution and adaptation? Yes, I've heard many times. You know, evolution is when one thing develops into another thing, into another That's thing, right. into another thing. But adaptation to what is how is what is the difference? What is the difference between the two? That's exactly. a really, really valid, very valid question because uh, creationists obviously believe in adaptation, and non-creationists believe in evolution. Okay, so evolution claims this. Evolution claims that you move from one species to another with um, new genetic material being added during that process that is of benefit. So new beneficial material being added to the, um, you know, the, 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 the whole process. Adaptation teaches the opposite. Adaptation teaches the loss of genetic material. <coughs> Excuse me. Both of them use the principle of uh, survival of the fittest. But adaptation teaches the loss of genetic information. And it teaches that differences only co- change only comes about within a species. So it doesn't cross from one species to another. So one one example that you gave is in Far North Queensland there are snakes, and Actually, I think it was South East Queensland, but anyway, wherever, wherever they are, black snakes, wherever you have black, black snakes. snakes, and they, they used to have big heads. That's right. But when the cane toads came in, they kept on eating the the, the snakes with big heads ate, ate the cane toads, and That's of course right. they're poisonous. Yes. So that killed them off. Yes. And so there were the ones within their species that happened to be born with a genetic defect where they had small heads survived. And so now all black snakes in Queensland have small heads. So that's because they're the only ones who survived. That's adaptation. Would evolution adaptation. to that be the snakes develop arms so that they can deal with they can disembowel the the cane, cane toad, toad better. and get the poison out of the cane toad? and eat the part that is not poisonous. Yes. That's exactly right. That's okay. what evolution is. That's the difference between the two. So one, you are losing material. Yes. Uh, genetic information. You have a deformity that comes in that uh, means that the species is not as strong as it used to be. I'll give you another example. Um, certain kind of beetles. This is a very famous one that has been quoted many times. Uh, beetles living on the mainland had wings. Beetles living on the island had on an island had no wings. And everybody looked at that and like, well, the ones out on the island, why don't they have wings? Well, the island was kind of windy and anything that tried to fly on the island got blown off the island. So the only ones that ever got to reproduce were the ones who were born with a genetic genetic defect and were born without wings. Mm. Because all the ones that got born with wings, they got blown away. And then, of course, you know, global warming, all that kind of thing, the uh, a land bridge forms out to the island. Predators go out to the island and they exterminate all the beetles that are out there that have no wings and so a whole species of or subspecies of beetles is lost. 
And so what you've got there is adaptation through the process of natural selection and survival of the fittest, but genetic material, genetic information is being lost, not added in adaptation, and you don't have those beetles turning into cats. <laughs> yes, very much so. Or, or worms or snakes. Or, or any other kind of... Anything other than a beetle. Any other kind. Yeah. That they stay, you know, you have beetles that adapt into beetles, you have cats that adapt into cats. What you don't have is beetles that adapt into cats. No. And that has never been observed. There has never been a missing link found uh, between the two. There has, this is something that is completely unproven in science. Never been observed, never been tested, never been repeated. Uh, this is not science. No. This is, this is ideology. Well, there we go. Yeah, good question. It is. Good questions this morning. So, uh, the literal nature of the day, going back to the day, yes. the literal nature of the day, it's taken, it's quite often, it's taken for granted uh, when, you know, when God wrote his own, with his own finger, uh, the fourth commandment, you yes. know, he indicated that the basis for the seventh day, uh, the Sabbath, rests on the sequence of a literal seven day creation week. Yes. So, I think it's, yeah. I think okay, now here's something interesting that our study guide draws out. Sorry, you were going to say something. I was just going to say that it's amazing. that yeah. Again, the amazing things that God does. All right, so you're going to find, and, and this does my head in completely, you will find Christians who will believe in the second coming of Jesus. And I'll believe that passage over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read it very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, and why don't you read for us beginning in verse, let me see, verse 51. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51, please, Liam. All right. It says, let me just get to the right page. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Keep going. It will happen in... A most it will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. Okay, so what you've got here is a passage that proclaims that Jesus will return in power and great glory, and that we will be changed, we will be immortalized in the blink of an eye. What I find fascinating is many Christians who believe that with their whole heart. Yes, Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we are going to be transformed. Because God has the power to do that. But somehow God doesn't have the power to create our world in six days. You know, God can instantly at recreation recreate us. But at creation, he had to use billions of years. So which one do you actually believe in here? You know, do you believe that God has the power to do this or do you not believe that God has the power to do this? It, it becomes completely inconsistent to believe in one and not believe in the other. But, you know, when you go through that, that whole uh, prophecy there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's a wonderful prophecy. Where did you get up to? Which verse did you get up to? Uh, in Corinthians? Yep. I got up to 52. Read for us uh, verse... 53, 54. Bit of a tongue twister, but it emphasizes the point. We were talking about repetition a little bit earlier. Here is some repetition for you. Okay. 
For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have transformed into bodies uh, that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Fantastic. Notice here he is emphasizing and how much he just goes into emphasizing just exactly what will take place. The transformation of bodies. Yeah. And when you talk about the transformation of bodies, you know, this is no minor touch-up that we're talking about here. This is the human being actually becoming immortal, receiving the gift of immortality. That's a lot of new genetic information that is being added and it is being added in the blink of an eye. Just clothunk and there it is yeah simple as that okay so we serve a god of incredible power who has the power to be able to create our world in six days he proclaims that he created in six days he enshrines it within his law it is the only part of the bible his proclamation that he 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 created the world in six days is is in one of the only portions of the bible that he physically wrote himself and so when we come to the Genesis account of creation, if we disbelieve what God says in Genesis, and then if we again disbelieve what God himself personally wrote, how can we believe anything that the Bible says? 